0: shack's loop podcast midnight interview with James Aquilung. aquilong after my enlightening conversation with the beautiful Helen Surtees I ran a check through tax records and business licenses the max match dating service was almost brand spanking new no one knew where it came from or what other branches it had it seemed to me that such mysterious origins warranted what we in the press call the midnight interview hey James how you doing buddy welcome I'm to Col loop Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. It is is a thrill to get you on here. Bradley, what do you think, man?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I know you don't have a whole lot going on. So, you know, we just thought we'd get on and talk about about stuff <laughs> and institution. No, you do have the Shack 50th anniversary graphic novel that uh, I think you recently taught, said that it would be expanded. So t- what went into that decision? Did you just have so much that you're like, well, we just got to make this thing bigger?
2: Usually with these projects, I start out small and I think, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm just going to do this little project. And then it just grows and grows and grows. until it just becomes like a monster. And uh, yeah, I think I got greedy and I just said, let's, let's add this, this and that. And we, we added a prose anthology as well. So basically it's two anthologies. We have, I think, up to uh, three covers now. I think we've already have like 10 stories that we've committed to. There might be, if we hit a certain stretch goal on an 11 story from someone very big. So I hope we make that. And we're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff. We got I already have a t-shirt made. And I'm already, I wasn't going to wear it because I didn't want to, um, you know, give it away. Yeah, yeah. We have a t-shirt. So who knows what we're going to end up adding to it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a great point to make is I saw some people who were leery, I maybe leery is the wrong word, but they were a little uh, hesitant with the Kickstarter model. They said that, uh, you know, why can't we just publish this the old fashioned way? And 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 i think that they have a point but also the kickstarter model anybody who's participated in it knows how fun it can be and how fun it is to hit the stretch goals and this is not a book this is not just two you know books that you get you're going to get a t-shirt you know there's special incentives for backing it so don't think of it as hey i'm going to buy a book from an author or from multiple authors this compilation i'm buying an experience i'm buying and and it's sort of fun, like to see it rise and rise every day. Like, hey, let me see if what numbers we've hit today. Let's see if we can get that long stretch goal. And then if even if you can like maybe have like a big stretch goal down the road that you're like, if we could just get to that one, it, it's more of an experience. And can you just t- tell us why you decided to go that route? Then maybe go through Moonstone by yourself. I mean, I imagine partly too. It's probably as many the riders that are involved uh, that it just wouldn't work unless you had the funds available up front. Uh, is, that, is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, because one, the publishers love that you have the money before the book is even published. That's great. Because usually it's the other way around. You have to invest all this money and then hope that you get your money back. So here, you hope that not only you have the money to make the book, but you have profit. I mean, nowadays with Kickstarters, you you pretty much are in kind of the middle of the process of making the book before you even launch I mean, some people might say, hey, I need all the money before I even start on this. But nowadays, there's so much more competition in Kickstarter that you have to have a lot more to show. You do have to uh, put the money in before.
1: Yeah, and and Kickstarter is different than like there's other things like Indiegogo where you don't need anything to start. And Kickstarter is sort of a safer model as well because you actually do have to have somewhat of a product to display uh, unlike indiegogo where you can just say hey i'm gonna make this just put money on and there's been a lot of people scam that way through indiegogo and stuff like that but kickstarter's a lot more reliable um
2: yeah you might have been able to get away with that like a few years ago when when crowdfunding first started you could have just said hey and i think that's what it was made for it was just like hey i have this idea give me some money and i'll get it done and now like i said there's so much more competition and so many people now there are a lot of bigger publishers now doing it you know boom Mm-hmm. Has done uh, a few Kickstarters, and I think Dynamite. So, especially for for games and comic books, it's become really big.
1: Yeah, Boom just did a big release of the uh, Power Rangers set. Uh, I don't know if That's you right. saw. Right, I made a lot of money. Oh, it lo- and it looked amazing. I wanted that like thirteen hundred dollar set with like the the hard covers and like the cardboard display. I don't know, yeah. why, I don't know where I'd have put it, but the, it I love uh, because I you know I'm a big fan of comic books, so that was something big that I could uh, that
0: I that I really liked. I really love the Kickstarter model.
2: Well, they did the um, what was it, the Keanu Reeves comic? I think that made like two million dollars or something like that.
0: What's what's <laughs> the Keanu Reeves comic? What are you talking about?
2: I think it was who is it? Boom, Boom came out with a mm-hmm. um, Keanu Reeves comic. I don't know if he wrote it. He stars in the comic, and, right? Is uh, it, mean,
0: it is like is like a Matrix? No, no, no. Or no, no a, he's uh, assassin
2: or something. It's called like Berserk, and they did think like, a year ago. or So and
0: oh, okay,
2: totally legit crowdfunding. Now Because a lot of big have uh, joined. Uh, I think Elvi- the Elvira comic too, not too long ago, uh, yeah. did on uh, Kickstarter, made a lot of money. So yeah, so like you competition now, so you, you can't just say, uh, here's my idea and then not show anything and just, that's not going to work. You know, put money into it. So the product that, you much have to say either way, but I'm just putting it up on Kickstarter. It can be so much bigger. Kickstarter. You know, if we just did this uh, just through the publisher, the traditional way, we wouldn't have things like posters and uh, t-shirts and print and all that type of stuff. and well, uh, plus,
0: plus, James, I mean, you're, you're kind of talking looking at you here on the video and not on a dollar. So <laughs> that's the, the easiest thing in the world for you just to throw your own money at, you know, get that going. So now, didn't you start with the starting, th- speaking about st- the Kickstarter model with some objects first? And kind of got your feet wet and right. learned about variants. So, what what were those projects, and what was that like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been interested in the state of Kickstarter for a long time, and I even uh, I used to write a weekly article for SF Sigma on crowdfunding. So, I wanted to like really study up started because I knew a great way to get like these projects done. So, I, I kind of even kind of like held like I, I wanted to know what I was doing because you could lose a lot of money doing. It. So I think my, my first novel I crowdfunded, Dead Jack, Zombie Detective, which is, has a lot of similarities to Cold Check.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, I did that in 2016, and I raised, like, $5, but I had no, like, fans or readers, and it was a completely unknown project. So I was really happy that that was full, cool. and it did really well. I ended up getting, actually, a movie option after, like, two months after the Kickstarter, but so it was pretty successful. And, uh, I've already written a TV pilot and a movie treatment for it, and it's being shopped around Hollywood right now. That's awesome. And then early this year, I then did a bigger project called Classic Monsters Unleashed.
0: Yeah, I right. saw that.
2: <laughs> right, right. It was all new of, you know, based on Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolf Wolfman. Uh, that's a prose anthology. And then we gotcha. made $60,000 for that earlier this year. Cool. Yeah, I was going to ask that about was, uh, that.
1: How did that come about, getting the, the classic monsters?
2: idea I had like a long time ago, and I was wanted to do it. I had done a Kickstarter, which I didn't run. That was from a gaming company that wanted to do deck as a tabletop a role-playing game. So we worked on that. The Kickstarter was launched, and uh, we made $12,000 in like 10 days. But people running it wanted more money. They thought they were going to make like $100,000. So they were kind of disappointed. So they ended up canceling it. So that we would reboot and do it, you know, to a few months later. So it was like a lot of fun to do, but I was really disappointed and I was like stuck to do projects. So then I was just like, what's what's the next thing I could do? And I want to run the Kickstarter. So I said I had this idea about the classic monsters anthology. So I pitched that to Crystal Lake Publishing. And at first they was like, well, we're not doing anthologies anymore because usually prose anthologies don't do very well and they're very hard to fund. So I just gave him the idea, I pitched him the idea about the Classic Monsters. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So then we just <laughs> ran with that. And then everybody who I uh, pitched the, the idea was like, I'm in. So I got like Jonathan Mayberry's story, uh, Joe Lansdale, Paul Wilson, big name R writer. And I, that was very, you know, they just loved the idea. It was a real easy uh, pitch. And then when we did the Kickstarter, we, we made like $15,000 the first day. So I was blown away. And then it just took off from there. And then we got an audiobook deal. We had a translation deal already. Now they're making it a series. Every year we're going to do a, an unleashed project. You know, I
0: know if you want to do something like this, but I, I'm always fascinated about the nuts and bolts of or the process of how these types of, in fact, that you were able to get some things made. By long starter and doing it yourself, I mean, shoot, listen to that podcast, or you know, you you stuff about that and talk. I mean, you could do an episode me on that and double <laughs> that stuff up. Um, that old uh, at this point it's old at um a podcast called Startup. You know, I just love that, and I've sort of thrown ideas out to Bradley, but of course, I never follow up on them. Right. <laughs> you know, we we're gonna call it the show about the show. And, you know, like that's another episode of the show about the show and we can talk about this. And of course, you know, I, I barely get the time just to do one podcast and here I'm trying to pitch <laughs> like five, but I just think it's awesome. And let's, let's back up just a hair. Tell me a little bit more about dead Jack. I do think that a yeah. lot of Shaq fans are going to really uh get you the this character. So what's like what what was your inspiration for Dead Jack? Sounds like there might be a little coke in there. And I think are you on your yes. third book or are you further? The third the third book jump. Amazing. What about Dead Jack?
2: So Dead is a zombie detective who is addicted to fairy dust. He takes the fairy dust so you know his um, his craving for- and he uh he operates in um the alternate <laughs> universe pandemonium. And yes, yeah, so it's a lot like Kolchak because it's very similar where Kolchak was always the monster, but in Pandemonium Monster. Right. So it's all the monsters that in, that ever existed been banished to you can do a lot of stories then, you know, with yeah. monsters uh, yeah. everywhere. And where Dead Jack operates in the five cities of Pandemonium, which are like the five boroughs and New York. City. And it's all like uh, 1940s New York City, so it's like, you know, like like noir, what is yeah. a zombie. And he has a homunculus sergeant Oswald, who is a shifter who's starting inside his head, and when one yeah. one day crawl down. So <laughs> <it's> kind of, <laughs> but but yes, he, he, he's he's not whole checking that. He's he's kind of like you know he's a he's a slob and he's he's a. I wouldn't say Colchak's a loser, but he kind of comes off a little bit that way, but it's still, he still is like, end of the day, he always gets, you know, he gets it done. So kind of j- Jack, kind of like that too. Yeah, it was definitely, I love that type of character. That's why I really love Kolchak. It's like, that was like, that's why when I, when I did this project, I was like, oh, that, that's so much up my alley. I love that type of character. And in my day job, I'm I'm a journalist too. So it'll come to the Perfect.
0: Up. Well, you're, you're, you're the you're the the, whatever you want to call it the next edition of jeff rice um coming out of that uh what a great way to like do your world your world building you know for your setting is to throw all these monsters in there and then have the interactions between them um man that's beautiful you gonna say something
1: yeah where did the idea of that come from like the homunculus and the i mean what what inspired it? But I know Colchak obviously. But is there anything else that inspired it?
2: The homunculus specifically was just for some years ago. I just kind of became obsessed with the word homunculus. I was like, that's a cool word, and I was always just like, I want to work this into a story <laughs> somehow. And homunculus literally just little man. I think you probably would see homunculus within like the um in Frankenstein, the original. When uh, they had those little little people in the glass jaws, so that was kind of where one of the ideas. Of, it was actually a, a short story I wrote years ago that I didn't have about really depressed and he has all these negative thoughts and then he ends up splitting open his head and out oh, this wow. weird creature. I think that was really inspired by you know that movie Basket Case.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that no,
2: movie. Look, so look, I was really inspired by that, and I was always obsessed with that movie because he's kind of like this this well. Like, they ripped it off completely in that movie Malignant, where it was basically, it was like a twin that was growing outside of, on the side of this, this guy, and then they cut the, right. the twin off, but he still lived in his basket, and then he kind of was crazy and killed him. So, so I guess that, right. that's really with a homunculus idea.
1: Yeah. And I'm and if y'all saw me, gotcha. if y'all saw me moving around, I actually had to, I was trying to hook up my ethernet cord. My internet was lagging out pretty bad. So I've been paying attention, but yeah, we actually talked to, uh, we had Rich on, and his friend was the one who wrote, uh, Malignant. So oh, really? yeah, And I thought Malignant <laughs> was, I mean, it was good. I thought it was a pretty good tour movie, you know?
0: But have you, have you seen Basket Case Bradley?
1: It's been forever since I've seen Basket Case. I need to rewatch yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember actually going to the drive in and oh, really? seeing that. And I think it ended <laughs> up being mostly us just screaming at the screen. Um, there might have been, you know, a few uh, a favorite, you know, fairy dust beverages mm-hmm. that were, uh, you know, being passed around yeah, that caused us to that. Yeah.
2: It's not too I just saw it not too long ago, like a couple of weeks ago.
0: How uh, James? How old are you? Because I'm, I'm thinking basket case. No, come on, man. That goes no, back a ways.
2: I'm 48.
0: Okay, all right. So so f- I'm 55, going on 56. So I can see where you got a little bit of uh, age there. Of course, you look like you're just 15. So <laughs> oh, you. you got you got that going for you also.
2: <laughs> yeah, so. I'm I'm up there. So I'm like yeah, I'm part of that you know Star Wars generation and you know right. plus the movie. So it was just kind of like that was the thing.
1: Well man, yeah, I saw that you grew up on Saturday morning cartoons and I was going to I actually had a list of them, but now I think I've I've aged you I've aged you even more cuz I think most of the ones I put were from the 70s, so I don't know if you would even that would be your cartoons cuz I saw that on your uh on your webpage you had. of
2: the stuff I saw in repeats, you know, like yeah. like the Batman, the Adam West Batman. Oh yeah. I was, I was old, too old for that, but that was playing like every day.
1: When I was a kid, where were you at on something like real Ghostbusters? Do you ever watch real Ghostbusters?
2: I did, yeah. That was the 80s, right? Like late 80s. Yeah,
1: that was like 85, 86.
2: Yeah, so yeah. You,
0: Bradley, you, you've you mentioned this, I don't know how many episodes. What, pardon me, H E double hockey sticks is a real Ghostbusters? Like, mm-hmm. give, give me something on this. So, I have no clue what this is.
1: So, in the 70s, there was the Ghostbusters, which was the. Uh, yeah. Which was like a, it was a, it was the ape, and then there was these two other guys, and they drove around in a car that was a ghost car, and then yeah, the ape, yeah, there was an ape. This is not completely unrelated to the regular Ghostbusters. This was a seventy show. They're like, go, okay. go, Ghostbuster, you don't know,
0: but they weren't, they were, they were, no, they, they weren't were the, Ghostbusters. the Ghostbuster suits, or it was, it was just like a ripoff of the movie.
1: Uh, was no, the movie. It was before the movie. Like it was something its own thing.
0: Oh, you said the seventies?
1: Yeah. I'm and then sorry. So, no, okay. no, yeah. And then so whenever uh, Dan Aykroyd and them that were get, writing get, the movie, he's like, I really yeah, like yeah. the names they were going for Ghost Smashers and all this stuff. And he said Ghostbusters, and they said, Oh, that's already that's already a name. And let's see if we can license it out. So they licensed it out for that. And then and then <sighs> okay. I think it was Deke who but was there's like,
2: a, There's a Cold Check connection there too. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Go, to go ahead. Larry Storch. Mm-hmm. I just watched the episode yesterday. He said in the vampire. Episode. I think we mentioned
1: right. that at the time. Yeah. So that's one of the things about our episode is I, 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 t- I t- take the time and I dive deep and probably uh, to everybody's detriment who listens to the show. And I come up with just obscure references to people who are connected to random things. And and yeah, for, for, well, yeah, well,
0: yeah. for me, Larry was always in a bunch of um, uh, love American style episodes. And that was a show, you know, when I was just a little kid that I saw on reruns, but I remember, you know, people coming out of that. And then that wasn't he, was he in one of the military comedies? Yeah, Do you remember that at all? James F troop. Okay. So I kind of remember I loved that.
2: I used to want to always stay home, you know, from school and pretend I was six. So I can watch all those shows that would come on at like nine o'clock. And F troop was one of the shows.
0: Uh-huh. So it was like
2: a big deal for me, like, you know, staying home from school, because then, you know, before uh, cable TV and stuff, if you if those shows were on, i say, like, between, like, 9 and noon, you could never see them. Yeah. Right? You couldn't re- record them. So they had all these great, They were mostly, like, I guess, shows from the 60s that they were rerunning. I guess they would be, like, late 70s, early 80s, like, F Troop. I loved F Troop.
1: Yeah, Mod Squad, I think, is one that probably got the rerun Monsters. a lot. Yeah. Yes, oh, the Monster
0: Monst Squad was awesome. Yeah. I love that. Link
1: yeah. Hey, yeah. Oh, oh, and to not to not leave that dangling, then after Deke made their Ghostbusters and then film, Filmation couldn't get the name Ghostbusters, so they called their cartoon the real Ghostbusters, and then they used the Ghostbusters from the movie. So you had the Ghostbusters hmm. cartoon that Deke did, which I think Deke's a French studio. They did that, and it was basically the monkey and the two guys in the ghost car, <laughs> and then Filmation did the one where they're like, hey, these are the real Ghostbusters that you know, even though it was the Ghostbusters right. that came after
0: but yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if the Ghostbusters with the monkey being the sidekick was actually the inspiration for Clint Eastwood's Every Which Way But Loose, you know, where he had his monkey pal that was along with him, you know, right turn Clyde. Which,
2: which, which well, it was like that time when there was monkeys and a lot of stuff in like the late 70s, 80s. Oh, it was after Planet well, of the Apes and the Bear. And the Bear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Planet of the Apes, which has a Twilight Zone connection with Rod Serling that I didn't know about until we did that episode.
0: Oh, which, true. So. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, this, this is fun. I, I would assume, you know, I'm looking at that list too. And definitely like as a very little kid, I loved grape ape. And that was like one of my favorites. I see Bradley mentioned that, and it may have been just cause I was a big kid and it was a big you know, lovable animal, but that and the fact grape Kool-Aid, baby, like what could be better <laughs> than some grape Kool-Aid and watching grape ape. I remember yeah, like you know, that there, there
2: was Gorilla was one of my favorites. Yeah. See, I, yeah. Don't,
0: I don't even know that one, but I know grape no? ape, just the grape ape, grape ape. Okay. Dig it. Well, <laughs> well, Hey man, let me get, let me get back on track here just a little bit for Kolshak. Okay. And, and so I, I think we haven't asked this yet per se. So what was then your first, Shack connection because you're just a little too young to have been able to see it on its first run. So when when did you catch it, and then what caught for you? What kind of inspired you to to like it so much?
2: You know, I don't know. I mean, I must have I must have caught it like when I'm the late movies. Uh, I would guess in like the eighties. Mm-hmm. I always knew it, so but I, I can't remember. Yeah, how I first came into it, you know. Because I haven't seen it, you know, in a while, and then I remember just like maybe like a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, I don't know how I came back to it, but I was like, oh, Coltrane, and then I was looking for it and I found it. I think it was on the NBC app. Yeah, and I was watching it again, but I don't remember where I, where I first ran into Colchak. You know, I guess they, I think they ran it right. They ran it as like um like a midnight yeah. thing. Yeah,
0: it's come back every now and then. Night. Yeah, and and then it was on. I would say uh, probably a good five or more years ago, it would show up on sci-fi and that's where I first caught it again and was just like, I mean, it was like Christmas morning, man. I was like, are you kidding me? Shack's back on. And, um, and then I even remembered at that time when it came back on thinking to myself, man, I wish I would have gotten that Shack book that I saw at the bookstore Mm-hmm. Um, ages ago and when it was one of Axe books. And uh, I'd seen an interview where you had talked about loving to go to the mall, but then really just want to go into the bookstore and hang out if that's still accurate statement. And I was the same right. way. I yeah, mean, yeah. that was really kind of my thing. Um, you know, I'd let my mom or whoever I was with girlfriend or wife go off and do whatever they were doing. And I would go straight into the bookstore and I could be happy and I could hang out there for a couple hours, just looking at stuff. And or, my point is on that, but yeah, I mean, it told the story about how I was young enough to see it the first time. And but I think it's really cool that, um, you ended up just sort of seeing it out there and and latched on to it. And so, and you've now got a character that you say is kind of Colshack esque. So, what is it about colchak that, that really speaks to you as, as a character you want to watch and then certainly go to the extreme of writing, you know, sort of about?
2: Well, I was thinking, you know, I was always loved. I think it's kind of close to re- related to like loving books. Cause I always loved newspapers too. And magazines and basically anything. Oh, and you're like a journalist. Word. What am I
0: talking about? Sure. Sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I love newspapers. And so I always loved reporters and stuff like that. So, um, you know, when I went to college, I kind of, I always wanted to be a fiction writer and I didn't want to, I didn't really want a real job, but then I kind of knew that like, it was still going to be a long shot to just get, you know, graduate college and at least I could write and edit. So it was definitely, and then that was basically really truthfully inspired by characters like Clark Kent and Colchak. Cause I thought yeah. I'm going to be a reporter and it's going to be just like that. It's going to be like, I'm going to be like a superhero. I'm going to be out there, you know, breaking all these cases. And it wasn't at all. <laughs> and it was a really bad mistake to become a journalist <laughs> because I, I, I graduated in like mid nineties. And at first there were a lot of jobs you can get, you know, um, you can work for you know, even a community paper. Every city had a newspaper. Then by like the early 2000s, all the newspapers started to go away and all the magazines, which is terrible. I mean, right now I'm working uh, in radio broadcast, so mm. I still have a job, but the industry isn't that strong. So in a way, I, I shouldn't love Kolchak and Clark Kent because they, they, they put me in a in this industry <laughs> i'm trying to get out of you know <laughs> but i love that i mean it was always like you know it's kind of like you like watch like um the haughty boys and you think oh my god i can do that maybe as a kid i can come just a detective into, you know you know just solve a mystery and i thought that was a way that was seemed like a really awesome job it, well, they make it look awesome in uh the movies and comic books to be a reporter
1: yeah so that's why cool. i
2: love that and i always loved you know being around newspapers and stuff like that so I, that's one of the reasons why i really like Cold check and it was and very uh, accurate too, like the, of how like the, the newsroom works. And uh, so that i always found interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, to- cool. yeah. Bradley was just going to say one, one more thing. Yeah. I, I had an experience in high school where I was on our radio program. And so for two years I did quote unquote reporting, you know, mostly I was just a newscaster as well. They really had us do, we'd read the copy that would come off the AP right. mark it up ourselves and then, you know, we would be DJ plus read the news, but they actually had introduced cable TV the first year that I was there. And so, or was this might've been the second, it was the second year. And, um, so that would have been 1983 mm-hmm. and, uh, I have actually have the distinction of, uh, being in a radio program that was the very first radio program in the entire country. And that's little, little new Albany high school in new Albany, Indiana. And uh, so it actually had a, but it was a great program, but, but anyway, yeah, I, you know, I never even thought about that as any connection whatsoever until you started talking (laughs) about that and how it's so like, oh my gosh, I did do that for two years and, and loved every second of doing it. And I even had my dad who thought, you know, at the time I had hair and I wasn't really big. (laughs) So he thought, man, you could probably be a newscaster. You know, let's, I got some connections down at the studio. Let's go down there and have you meet some people. And he, he set it all up, but there really wasn't anybody that I spoke to that was, you know, I think that was just, it was like on a weekend, nobody wanted to talk to me. And I'm like, I don't want to do that.
2: that, I'm in, well, now I'm in radio and that's just just as tough a gig too. Oh yeah. DJs don't get paid very much money and they, they usually have to have some other job. On side. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's all these cool jobs. You go, Oh, well, that'd be great to do. And then you always find out that you don't make any money. Every Everything I'm interested in doing doesn't make any money. You
0: know. and, and, and that brings us back <laughs> to Kickstarter. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> that, Br- Bradley, go ahead.
2: Yeah. That's the first time I started making money. So I've been trying to sell books for years and it's really hard to get people to, uh, you know, reach into their pocket and give you their money. Even you know, when you're selling an a ebook book for 99 cents, people still don't buy. I, I can't even get my own family members to buy my books, you know? Yeah. So when I was on Kickstarter and I'm, they start selling, I was like, wow. I mean, I'm always blown away whenever anyone, you know, pays any type of money to, to you know, buy one of my books. Or, or Anytime anyone gives me money, I'm like, wow, great. So Kickstarter was very cool in that you can raise a lot of money if you do it right. I mean, I'm not saying that like it's that it's easy because a lot of people have done it and, and, they failed and i think most of the, the products do fail so you you do have if there is a uh, uh i guess say a science or an art to it you do have to work i mean uh i promote pretty much every day even now even though we're, we're several months out once we announced it in like the end of october i've been promoting it like every single day mm-hmm. on social media so you do need you need a, a you do need an audience or a network or, or you know I mean, if you have a Twitter account and you only have like a few hundred um, followers, it's going to be hard to just keep, you know, sending out tweets over and over and over because then people just, you know, is like, all right, enough. So you do have to have like, a you know, different avenues where you can promote. But you, you are going to have to really work at it. I mean, don't, you know, I wouldn't say like put out the Kickstarter and just hope that people are going to stop backing it or following it because it's, it's probably not going to happen. But if you have to be like kind of aggressive about it and just promote, 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 and yeah. If you have some a cool product then, you know, people will back it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's that uh with Kickstarter too, it's that sense of what they call FOMO, the fear of missing out. People who see this mm-hmm. stuff and they're like, Hey, if if I don't get this now, if it if it is republished down the line, it's gonna be a while. So I have to get it right now because it's not going to go to, you know, regular market. Right. Um and they always say, uh, go back to the one that brought you the dance and if Kickstarter if Kickstarter brought you the dance, why not try it again, you know? And speaking of you know what brought you the dance, you mentioned comics, and that's something that I remember growing up. And uh, I don't know what what supermarkets y'all have. I remember going to Kroger's as a kid. That's what we had. And there's not a whole lot of toys in Kroger's. So if we ever went to Walmart or something, there's toys all the time. Kmart loved looking at the toys in Kmart, but we'd always get groceries at Kroger's, so there wasn't anything to look at at Kroger's. So I had to go to the magazine aisle, and that's when I first like saw my first comic covers. Was going to Kroger's and seeing the uh, I think it was like Venom Lethal Weapon was like or Lethal Protector was like the first one I ever saw written. Remember, remember reading, uh, but I read that. Read the Batman. Remember reading like Detective Comics and stuff like that. Um, what What was your experience with comics growing up?
2: Yeah, very similar. I mean, because we used to have newsstands and used to go to the newsstand, and there would just be a whole wall of magazines and a whole thing of comics. I mean, that's something you don't have. So. You know, my mother would go get her cigarettes, and then I'd go in the back and just be looking at all the magazines and comic books, and you know. And then back then, a comic book was like twenty five cents, and it was still like a struggle to try to buy a comic book. (laughs) But like I said, I was always just obsessed with magazines, newspapers, and and books. So this was pretty awesome that you can go to the corner store, and then it was just like this whole all the you know. Now it'd be that's kind of crazy idea. Like. It used to sell candy, cigarettes, and then it was just magazines and and then comic books. And uh, so I love that. And then you could just go to the store, you know, on the corner and get a comic book. Now you can't do that. Right? Uh, I live in Staten Island. I think there are two comic book uh, stores. That's it.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of them moving moving towards like collectibles and uh, and stuff yeah. like that. So even the comic book stores you do find, you might have like a wall of comics and then you have like 17 or 18 rows of just different yeah. toys and figures and stuff. But, you know, talking about that and then comics and stuff, do you remember the first comic you read or any comics you enjoyed growing up in general?
2: The first comic that I really like, like affected me, I think was a like, Spider-Man comics because I really related to Spider-Man. Yeah. I think the uh, first comic book character or superhero that I like fell in love with was Batman from the yeah. Adam West TV show but you can't relate to batman so i'm like (laughs) probably like six or seven and i started reading spider-man comics and i was like oh i'm i'm kind of like peter parker like i'm a nerd i don't have any friends but i'm like but peter parker is superman uh spider-man you know so like that's cool so i really like then it was like totally into spider-man after that yes the read comic books when i was a kid it's until i was 12
1: oh really yeah because it's like the dichotomy of uh you know, this nerd, and then he can be something great. So if he could do it, surely, you know, anybody could, you know, be a superhero. And
2: And, Spider-Man was a kid, you know, Batman's not, is a man and and, uh, Superman. And so, yeah, that was a great thing about Spider-Man.
1: And nobody really relates to Robin. I mean, nobody looks and says, man, I'd I'd love to be Robin. (laughs) I've never heard a kid who said that, but yeah, um, that was one thing too. remember. Like I remember the Spider-Man animated series, which that was in the nineties. So that might've been. Mm-hmm. It was a little past your time, probably, but that's one thing that got me into it. And the Spider-Man, like the Super Nintendo Spider-Man game, I think it was like a Maximum Carnage. Did you play a lot of video games or anything growing up? No. Really?
2: <laughs> I played, like, when I was a kid, I played, like, Atari and stuff, and yeah. then I kind of even missed out on Nintendo. Oh, man, yeah. And my, mo- my mother wouldn't buy the Nintendo because we had already had an Atari, and then I got a ColecoVision, and then she was yeah. like, okay, I'm done. You're not getting any more. Uh, and then, you know, Nintendo came out. I was like maybe 12.
1: Yeah. That
2: was it for me. And it wasn't like an older, I bought a, a Sega in the nineties, but I was just playing like, like baseball games on it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That what baseball games are. All, all sports games are fun. I was looking also again, and you know, you're talking about something that like predates, like even my parents or my grandparents as well is mm-hmm. weird tales, man. Mm-hmm. what so so this magazine weird tales dates back to the 1920s and it's like the story magazine i think weird tales is even where cthulhu made his first appearance you know in anything man how and and now you're the managing editor what is it like being the managing editor of it
2: yeah i mean that's very cool because it's like so historical so it's pretty insane to be attached to that in any way and like you said cthulhu starts there conan the barbarian starts there. yeah and As I've delved more into the history, almost every subgenre started in Weird Tales. They might have even started uh, the Occult Detectives, which, you know, Kolchak would be part of. And they're doing an Occult Detective issue next year. Sword and Sorcery started with with Weird Tales. So I'm like, wow. You know, it's like, oh. Then it's like, wow. I I mean, I'm part of that? (laughs) So that seems really cool. And uh, today they just made a big announcement with Weird Tales. They just partnered with Blackstone Publishing. Yeah,
1: I saw that. Yeah.
2: They're going to be uh, doing Weird Tales, uh, like a line of books. So there'll be like Weird Tales novels and Weird Tales anthologies. And I'm trying really hard to get them to start doing Weird Tales comics. Yeah. Because I'm really hoping that that, that's a thing.
1: I mean, yeah, because a lot of those comics, I mean, uh, what was the EC comics was like real. I I still read, I love Mm -hmm. reading the reprints. If I can find, we've got a comic store. We got one close to me. They don't have a lot of like back issues, but I went to one. Oh, it's about thirty minutes away, and it's huge. They got a and I found a lot of Tales of the Crypt reprints and a Vault of Horror reprints, and That'd that stuff great. is it's bone chilling what they could get away with uh, to put in there. Which I guess the the uh, the censors ended up coming down on them eventually. You know, and they end up having
2: yeah, that when was a I, problem. Re- when I was reviewing books, they sent me all of the. The, the giant hardcover EC collection oh, at one man. point when it was like, they were like $50 or a hundred bucks. I got like five or six of them. Oh,
1: do six you? Hey, yeah. if, if you ever need to offload those, uh, <laughs> I can send you my address and uh, you yeah, send them really this That's really
2: cool. So yeah. Well, that's kind of started the whole, you know, censorship of comics. Yeah. kind of comics down for a long time was those EC comics. Uh, but then from EC, you get Mad Magazine, which I think was even more mm-hmm. of a subversive, Magazine, yeah, more. see,
1: more culturally, I guess it was more ingrained in culture and became like so uh immersed in it that eventually, I think even people my age probably saw it and saw the character. uh What was his name? What is the character's name? Alfred E. Newman. Yes, I saw Alfred E. Newman and they thought, oh, I know who that is. I just who knows what Mad Magazine is? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: of all the comics, they probably yeah. I mean, I love superhero comics. So I probably ended up with more mag- Mad magazines and Archie comics for some reason. Mm-hmm. I think, be- like you were saying, in the in the supermarkets, whenever you get to the uh, you know checkout at the supermarket, there was always uh, Archie comics.
1: Yeah, there was. Yeah, there.
2: so you always end up with like an Archie comic if you went to the supermarket. So Archie and and Mad, but I think I mostly got probably my sense of humor from Mad magazine.
0: Man, man I tell you this this is I, I enjoy talking to you so much because there there's another thing that just pops into my head. I never really bought the mad magazines myself. I had an older brother that would buy them. Mm-hmm. and usually when he was done with them, then I would get to read them and and really, that's the first time that I was able to look at a story about the Exorcist and not be scared. And even though it was still <laughs> kind of frightening, you know, they were showing, you know her, doing whatever she does, vomiting and all that other stuff. When they covered the exorcist, hold on, I'm making that up. I'm pretty sure they, they covered that. No, yeah, they did. And then, you know, other, other stories. And really that's the first time I guess that I understood satire um, as a kid. I mean, it's, it's just it, it, all you know, cause they were always making fun of whatever story. And I think there might've been one movie like that. I just love, I think it was the bad news bears. And mm-hmm. and they covered the bad news bears and they sort of made a satire of it and I was just infuriated, like what are you doing to my movie? I'm just such a young kid and like you can't do that to that movie. This is incredible. And you know, finally, just then you just grow up a little bit and you get into it. But yeah, man, Spy versus Spy. Yes, was that such was a good mine. section yeah. to to take a look at, and and then of course folding the little thing in the back and getting this little secret message, you know, from doing the fold and um, man, that's really cool. I, I don't typically tune out when Bradley goes into his comics uh, (laughs) discussions with everybody. I get left out, but I don't really (laughs) tune out, but now uh, yeah. Thanks man. Because I just like, Oh my gosh, there were comics that I read other than I think I bought like two green lanterns and a, and a Spider-Man And maybe um, um, it wasn't an incredible Hulk might've been a fantastic four. I think I bought and that's like, it. that's all I bought of anything. But then I couldn't, it's just too expensive. Like whatever was costing me back in the early seventies, like, man, that's like, I got maybe a dime a week. <laughs> like that was my allowance, you know, and that would buy me, literally that would buy me five little cartons of milk for school, <laughs> you know, getting that dime. Cause they were oh, always two cents, long. two cents a carton. So, you know, and, and I, if I did any chores, I got like a quarter, maybe if I was doing like a, you know, a yeoman's worth of work that day. But uh, anyway, well, that's really cool. Um, thank you for letting me disappear for a second. And uh, I appreciate still being able to hear what you guys are talking about. Was that back um, when
1: FDR was president? That
2: did all that? Yeah. Yeah. Bradley.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Buddy. You
2: could do a lot with a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I mean, like real money. I was just well, saying this to my wife. I was like, you know, now if you get changed, you just basically throw it away. It's, it's just a nuisance. But when, when we were kids, like, Change was everything. You didn't even have oh. like dollar bills. You just had a big pocket of change. Pretty and much. Could, for a dollar you could get like a slice of pizza or a comic book, a soda,
0: some candy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. with, with a dollar. So James, what what part of the the Union do you hail from, sir?
1: He said Staten Island. Are you are Staten Staten you born Island.
2: there? Okay. I'm originally from Brooklyn. Then we I moved to Staten Island about eleven years ago.
0: Okay, I've I've been in in your your neighborhoods a few times. I had a brother that went up there and did his fine arts, um, and then lived in New York. I guess it was close to fifteen, maybe maybe twenty years or something like that. And took me to CBGBs. And of course, this is oh. when it became just like a brunch place. <laughs> it wasn't really even having musical acts uh, at the time. I I was really curious, and there's something that came up to my mind, and I don't know how well you know all of the Col the Shack stories and and i i these days i can't believe it i apologize for saying col shack these days because after having james on and listening to joe you know they they are all about the shack uh, when they pronounce his name of course mark towiziak does shack but is there ever um, a story where Kolshak, and I'm talking not just the TV shows, because that that I pretty much know, TV shows, the movies, a few of the books, but I've never really looked at many of the comics. I've not looked at the graphic novels, so I don't have a big understanding or know where those go. But it seems like everybody tries to have a bit of a Shack canon, let's say, that they work from, not to expand the character too much. But does he ever learn something from a character that he interacts with or a monster that he sees that makes him be a better detective, you know, or anything that he is self-reflective about. Does that ever happen with any of his characters? Because there, he's, he's so seemingly to me, so confident in what he does. He pretty much just keeps charging on, you know, like, like a freight train, and, and, you know, anybody in his way be damned until he's able to get to the end of the story. What do you think about that? Does that exist at all? Or is that just counter uh, to the the Colchak the canon?
2: Well, I don't think it exists in the, the TV show or um, the original Jeff Rice books. I don't go too deep into the comics. They're actually really hard to get. Most of them are out of print, and I've, I've tried to get uh, a few. I did read one of the early ones, uh, The Devil in the Details, which was pretty good. Yeah. But that's one of the things about Kolchak is that it was very formulaic, right? which actually makes writing a Kolchak story pretty easy. Uh, but that's what makes it great, too, because you, you, you know like what he's going to do, basically. And um, that's one of the things I'd like to kind of break out of a little bit. I, don't, I wouldn't want to totally change Kolchak like in the graphic no, I'd like to see yeah, like something more where it's you know you get more into his personal life a little bit. Like I said, I, w- I wouldn't, I don't want to like go and you know as mm-hmm. I, I worry about you know the uh, if you remember the reboot of Colchak and like the, uh, <laughs> oh so the poor if, if I turn around and I say hey we want to reboot Colchak people think oh that that Stuart Townsend
0: show yeah like,
2: no no I want to keep all the tropes of of Colchak but I just want to add a little bit more to it or like like you and just nudge it a little bit more forward um like i said he doesn't ever seem to realize or, or or think about like why are all these monsters showing up in chicago like every week uh maybe there's like a big conspiracy or why wasn't he um you know um confronting these monsters before you know like so you that's what's kind of frustrating about the show that's what kind of like, like where like the X-Files kind of took it to the next level and said, mm-hmm. hey, let's, you know, uh, get a little bit more into the personal lives. And and let's also like there's some big grand conspiracy that we, they're trying to uncover throughout the whole series, which I think, you know, Kolchak could have used something like that. I think it would have then lasted a little bit more. It's kind of hard to go every week where he's like uncovering uh, this um, this monster. No one believes him. And he, but he's still proven right. And he did every single week. And then it's like, how, and I think uh, Darren McGavin was concerned about that. And he was like, "Mm, maybe, you know, I'll I'll just check out now because how would you do that over like five seasons? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like from what DeWiddyak has said and others that um, Darren's idea was to take him on the road. Mm-hmm. And have him investigate things, and really, you get that kind of incredible Hulk vibe, where yeah. there's there's the National Enquirer, or whatever it is, reporter who keeps hounding, you know, Bill Bixby's David Banner,
1: yeah, and, and you
0: sense. see him out there, and and it, talk about a great show that with the the way yes. they you know wove in all of that mystique, uh, that was really great. But um, yeah, I appreciate you saying that because. I have I, and I love the fact, getting back to your Kickstarter, that you're doing the pros um, injuries and um, because it, it has enabled me maybe for once in my life to actually write something from start to finish <laughs> and, and actually and have a format to submit it. That is the amazing thing. I'm, and I'm thrilled to drop out. And I think it's $50 to do your submission into the prose category. Is that correct? Or is, like it, you is get, it? You get fifty dollars. Not- I get fifty dollars <laughs> for, for for sending it to you if you print it. If I print it, I pay you fifty. Okay, so it's not fifty dollars for me just to no, give it no, to no, you. Oh, no, no. see, <laughs> I completely mis- Oh, I did. That. I
1: completely misread it too. So, th- thanks for the. clip. I'm glad we asked that. You cl- you asked that, Robert. That actually
2: consider really like unethical. <laughs> well, it, there were well, people I was, who like, done that. And they yeah. Keep, yeah. Well, because it's 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 difficult to make money in publishing. So some, some publishers will say, like, you give a give me five dollars just to submit it. Right. But no, we don't do that. It's free to submit. And if you if okay. you accept it, then you, you're paid.
0: Well, I, I was all set man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're gonna give me a chance just to submit something, I'll do you it. Because I felt like it would be money now. towards yeah, yeah, I think I'll think what I'll do then is I'll just <laughs> I was already going to give you fifty bucks, so when it comes to the Kickstarter, uh, you get fifty uh-huh, bucks from okay. me. Okay, so that'll at least go towards right, that.
2: Yeah. And well, we're legitimate. <laughs> that's
0: so funny. Um, yeah, well, but but that's that's the thing that um, as I was thinking about my story um, that I wanted to do it was just all right. So how much can I you know. Cause everything is about self-reflection these days. I mean, it's at least uh, as, as being a former teacher and being in education, I mean, my gosh, they throw, what did you, what do you feel about this? Right. How did you do on this assignment? And give me a 10 page reflection. Like, Oh my God. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, I mean, I think some of that little bit of self-reflection and it seems like Kolshak, I've been I, actually the only thing that I have of the original two novels is the audio books? I don't even have the print, so I've been re-listening to those. I'd like to get them in print, but I just haven't. And uh, but in re-listening to them, you can listen to him. You know, it's got a little bit, of, I guess, self-deprecating humor that he has about himself. And but it, it's funny to me now that I'm really, I'm just rambling here, guys. So I apologize. But now that I am thinking about this as the a potentially writing one man, I'm listening to this way closer than I was before. (laughs) And uh, like, what? Kolshak's 5'10 and 185 pounds, like almost 200? Like he makes that 15-pound leap pretty quickly uh, when he talks about it. And I'm like, wow, I never pictured him. You always picture him like McGavin, who was a a really fit guy. But, you know, if he was ever 185, uh, he's probably more like 165 and just built really well. Uh, And certainly not 5'10, you know. But anyway, um, but, you know, again, I, I love the fact that you're doing the Kickstarter. I love the fact that you're giving people the opportunity to submit the pros. But the deal is with this, this is going to be super competitive, I think, for people who really want to do this. Say a little bit about that. What do you What do you think about this competitive side for the submission of these pros stories that we're doing?
2: Well, that's the horrible part about being an editor is that I have to reject a lot of stories and I know when I did Classic Monsters Unleashed, we had like 600 um, submissions. And people really wanted to get into that anthology. And we took maybe 10 stories. So that means like I have to reject 590 people. Right. So that stinks. And already, you know, with Kolchak, people love Kolchak, which I didn't even realize there was this huge fandom. And um, there are Facebook groups Culture Facebook groups that are oh, so yeah. active, there is like maybe ten posts a day in these culture groups, and they're specifically about culture and oh, about yeah. the episodes. And I'm like every single day, oh, yeah. I'm like this is insane. So <laughs> already, I've been contacted by like like big name authors who are like, I want to be in this anthology, right? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got to submit a story, but yeah, you're going to be competing against uh, some very big name. Authors,
0: which which I think is thrilling because to me that just makes me want to do it even more. And you know I'm I'm more of a you know paralysis by analysis kind of guy when it comes to stopping me from doing anything. As Bradley will well know, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll overthink everything to the nth degree and never get anything done except for maybe one tiny bit of it. But it has been so much fun to have this little idea that I've got. And, and start looking at some background on it. And, and just, it's kind of like I'm, I'm formulating this, this equation in my head that it takes roughly 20 pages of background to supply one line um, that I'm going to write and, in order for me to know that it's placed in the right place, that it's still fiction, but it's accurate. You know, there's a truth to it and it has some sort of basis on reality. I mean, I'm just loving doing this. And uh, so anyway, I, I'm, again, you know, I'm thrilled that you're doing that stuff, Bradley. I'll cut myself off here for a little bit. If you've got something you want to jump <laughs> yeah, back into. I do want to,
1: I mean, I think it would be good for people to know what they're looking for here and what you are looking for. So, uh, 1500 to 7,500 words. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that's a, a lot of room to play with, you know? Uh, yeah. so, you know, you could either go in the shorter end of the, of the longer end, uh, no vampires, I imagine there's not going to be that vampire has been pretty well covered.
2: Yeah. Because even this is even happened in classic monsters unleashed. You, you basically had to pick a monster and you know, you then you do story about that monster and everybody wants to do Dracula. Oh yeah. We already, we already had, I think we had. we ended up with like five or six Dracula stories anyway. And uh, we even have a Dracula story written by the great grand nephew of Bram Stoker. <laughs> In the book? Yeah. So everyone loves vampires. So if I already had like five or six vampire stories, then everyone's submitting. I would say like, I wouldn't say half, but I would say a good chunk of them are vampire stories. And of course, Colchak is centered around vampire. Uh, We already have two. uh, We definitely have one vampire story. Kim Newman did uh, this really awesome story, which is basically an alternate ending to the Night Stalker. Which is really awesome. Uh, and we might, we're gonna, my hope is to connect that then to the last Kolchak story. So there'll probably be vampires there too. So then I don't want a million vampire stories. And even if I say no vampires, I'll probably still get like 20 vampire stories. So, which is fine if they're good. But you have to say that because then everybody will be writing a vampire story.
1: Oh, yeah. And you know, the funny thing about that is uh, our first shack episode wasn't even really about. Kolchak, we did a three hour special on with Mark De basically interviewing him on vampires, uh, which we okay. did talk Kolchak, of course, because I got a lot of hate for saying that I wanted, to, I thought Tom Hiddleston would be a good Kolchak. I mean, I got, I
0: got roasted,
1: I got roasted online for that. Now, now,
0: now that I finally saw the Loki series, yeah. um, I I would watch something with with Hiddleston as Kolchak. I, I think he's a very good actor, so I, I could survive with that just based on. The Marvel movies, where he plays as Loki, I couldn't get it from that.
2: I think Owen Wilson would be a better call. Check. Oh my gosh!
0: Completely (laughs) okay. Isn't he? Isn't he great in Loki though? Because he's still so he's still so Owen Wilson. But at the same time, I think he's always <laughs> <it's old>. hilarious, <laughs> just hilarious. Oh, I can see you. You see, you're getting yeah, a little, uh, you know, a little excited there. You got a little bit of emotion. <laughs> um, I've never tried to impersonate him, so it's better than I thought it would good, be. Though.
2: Yeah, he'd be good. Sam Rockwell, I think, would be cool as, like, a culture. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, you yeah. know, back, going back Go to the ahead. Kickstarter, uh, one of the ones I'm excited about our our good dear friend, uh, the podcast Rodney Barnes. Yeah, I, I say good, dear friend. I don't know. We're, we we talk sometimes, but uh, <laughs> I think he just puts. I, see, Rodney, he like has detectors. If he hears Col shake, he'll find it. Uh, how how did you get in touch, How did you get in cut touch with with Rod? Like we had like three followers on Twitter. Like, hey, will you come on the cold shake podcast? Done. I'm there. Just tell me right. when. I'll talk coal. Yeah, he loves
2: cold Yeah, that yeah. Like I, yeah, I think you're right. There are certain people who just like so into coal and then we just found them. So. uh the publicist i'm working with and uh, said i i guess he knows rodney he says you know rodney bonds is a is a big culture fan i was like oh i didn't know and I, but i knew Philadelphia and I, I knew his writing so i was like all right if he wants to do it absolutely you know he's huge and he's, he's a great writer and that was the thing i i don't know who the big culture fans are so you don't know if It's like you know i, I wish like mike Manolo would have done a story i'm sure he is a big um Kolchak fan. But they're uh, they're out there and Kim Newman. I didn't know Kim Newman was a big Kolchak fan, but then I saw when they, they were putting out the Blu-ray of the uh, of the series that Kim yeah. Newman was doing the audio commentary. And then I Googled uh, Kim Newman and saw that he he had said something about Colchak that he put Kolchak in his first Anno Dracula novel.
1: Oh yeah, that's cool. But mm-hmm. he was,
2: he didn't realize that like Anno Dracula would be a series. And he always regretted putting Kolchak in his first book, which was set in like the 1880s. Because then eventually he was going to probably do a book in the 1970s and he would, would rather have done Kolchak in the 70s. Yeah. And he didn't get the opportunity. So I figured, oh, if I contact Kim Newman, this is going to be a slam dunk because, you know, I'm sure he'd been looking for uh, for a long time to do a Kolchak story. And and he like, almost immediately came, you know, re- returned my email. I was like, yep, I'm in.
0: Yeah. Man, it's just the the strength of that character, of that writing. It's just amazing. Yeah, I mean it. Just it speaks to, you know, everything that I think so many of us who just want to see a story and to get all hokey about it, but a story about truth, a story about struggle. You know, a story a story about righting a wrong. You know that that's happening. It's not about the monsters. You know, the monsters are cool. Everybody loves. You know, the zombie, everybody loves, you know, Raymond. Sorry, I had to say that. Um, you know, the, the, everybody loves all the, you know, the Spanish Moss murders things. And, but it's not so much the monster. It never really is. It's, it's, uh, it's just so cool that it's the, all those things. And then you had also, um, I'd read that the time frame that you're working for the stories for Kolshak Pretty much go from the late 30s to the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Is that just covering Darren McGavin's lifespan? Is that what? Wh- where does that come from?
2: Well, Kolchak's birth is born the same year as Darren McGavin. I, That's
0: right. I think because he's 47 in the novel.
2: Yeah, so I don't think that. Um, I don't know. Well, I, th- I think that was written before D- Darren McGavin was involved, so I don't know if that was just a coincidence or not. Oh, it so was So they're both born in 22, but. Uh, Kolchak's birthday is October 31st, 1922. Right, and I think unofficially they did have him. Well, well, Kolchak never has died in in any of the books. So, but I thought it would, you know be appropriate that he would have like the same lifespan as Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin right. would actually be a hundred years old next year. So, yeah, so the True. 50th anniversary of the Night Stalker it would be also the 100th anniversary of his his birth. So Kolchak too would be then hundred years old
0: is Did you, were you were you able to get his son to do something for you what's what, what's that all uh, entailing
2: yeah he's supposed to be writing um an essay about uh Kolchak and his father and and his involvement in it we're also gonna have joe joe uh, gentile is gonna do uh, an essay right. about um his involvement you know moonstone's involvement and um mark is writing an essay on the fiftieth anniversary, so we, with the with the, the stories, we're also going to have like three or four. And and the intro is uh, going to be written by Richard Christian Matheson, the son right. of Richard Matheson, yeah. who wrote the first two uh, check movies. Right, right. So we got both sons, and yeah, uh, Mark and Jeff- so we, I think we have our bases covered. Yeah, so we you do. Experts, you do right?
0: Completely. And I, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll put us I'll put a self promoted plug out there. I would love for us to be able to interview McGavin's son. That's kind of like the the, the the cherry on top of all the people that we've been able to get onto this podcast with James and you and Mark Twidziak and Rodney and Rich. I mean, <laughs> that's just really kind of a who's who now of people who are keeping this going. Joe, of course, um, being involved in that, too. And Because um, I'm still, you know, Shack Convention sometime two to three years from now, whether it's just a hundred people to a thousand people, That'd I don't know, yeah. whatever it would be. And, and that, you know, happening in Vegas and then having mm-hmm. various panels where you've got the sons of Kolchak, so to speak. And then you've got, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and, and, and really what you're doing is, is really kind of what I wanted to do there with people. Um, and that's to think about how to write a Shack story and how to make a submission for a screenplay or whatever it is with all these professional writers that we have there. Um, whether it's a novel, screenplay, a comic, you know, I'd love to have a panel with all those guys. And I mean, these are the things at least that I would go to a comic con for. And I think Bradley's covering the thoughts about doing all the what they're calling Cole's play. So dressing up like Col Shack and he's able to do all this stuff. And it's funny sometimes, Bradley. I mean, I just chuckle to myself because I see you getting all the stuff and wearing it. And I'm like, damn man. I mean, I just told this guy about this stuff. He had no clue about it two years ago. Okay. And he's already got all the clothes. <laughs> and I don't and I don't have a squat. I don't even have a hat. You know, he's buying books about it. But yeah. that's the thing is he's like he's a collector and and loves to do that kind of stuff and we've got some other people that love to do it too and i'm i'm rambling at this point <laughs> yeah but, i think i think uh, a good go really
1: yeah good spot uh we know we're talking about people so rodney's doing a zombie story can is there anything mm-hmm. that you might tell us about that maybe anything just make you sure you don't give
0: away too much the
2: don't make rodney don't make rodney the but the only thing i know is that it's going to be in the 70s harlem and zombies
1: oh man sweet that sounds awesome and two other names, you know, I thought – so 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 there's a, so another huge Shack fan is Rich Haddam. He's on uh, DC's Titans. Uh, mm-hmm. He wrote Mothman Prophecies, the screenplay for that movie. I think he would be a good person, and I'm sure he would be all for it. Uh, he's been on the episode quite a few times, to- been on our shows quite a few times. Uh, I think he would be an awesome get. And then another person we've been in contact with is Steve Niles. He did 30 Days of Night. Yeah. Uh, he's a huge
0: Shack fan, so – Give me his email. Okay. Well, I, just, <laughs> I think he's. I think he's currently ghosting us. So yeah. I
2: don't know well, I, I, go I, go. I wanted to get him for my for classic monsters unleashed, but I couldn't get in contact
0: with him. Hey, let's 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 all pledge to do it.
1: I'll, yeah. I'll try to so get him. so I reached okay. out to him and he, I said, "Hey man, you can. We'd love to have you on the podcast." And Man, I did, that sounds awesome. And then, oh, yeah,
2: nothing, nothing. Oh, he answered I, I,
1: you though. Yeah, he did. And then i reached back out, and it was like,
2: I didn't get an answer. Did you but not? I don't know so, where my email went. I'm sure. It was production company or something. I found that on IMDb Pro, because I couldn't find an Email anywhere. I don't think. I don't think. it What did you? You you tweeted it. It was on Twitter.
1: Yeah. Hey, we'll help if we can okay. get him, if we can get him on. We'll we'll try to get him. Yeah, absolutely.
2: On. That'd be great.
0: Because yeah, I, I. I mean, I. I absolutely. This is not just trying to. You know, pump him up, but I love Thirty Days of Night. Yeah, yeah. Great. I mean, it it is so good, and it has. You know, as, as I made my flash there of the Vampire Almanac with uh, J. Gordon Melton, who hopefully I'll still get him on. Um, he said he would do it, and we just haven't been able to connect yet after that. But this, this you know, vampire tradition that, that folklore that goes back actually nearly a thousand years ago, and, you know, ha- there is some documentation about it, and all these vampire historians. And then you start listening to uh, Tomas or Thomas Garza there in Austin, Texas, and he talks about the Slavic connection. And uh, I mean, the way the the Thirty Days of Night vampires appear seems very heavy into the the original, mm-hmm. you know, historic vampire. Um, very Nosferatu esque uh, with the way that they look, and uh, but do you have you delved into that at all james with a little vampire history and and research or things that you've read or has that ever come across because honestly for me i didn't do squat on it until just recently um and and hearing the lectures by melton and and wanting to just learn more about it how about yourself for that
2: i haven't done any research lately i think uh I think was watching actually a va- vampire documentary though. And that's where I first saw uh, Kim Newman. Mm. Uh, so lately I haven't been able to read anything because I've been so busy. Everything was like, sure. finished like a novel, but yeah, I've always researched all the, like, you know, monster lore and folktales and mythology, very big on Joseph Campbell. stuff like that. Oh yeah,
0: sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, I, I would say for anybody who, Hasn't gotten it. This is just this is another reprint version of it, but this uh, Vampire Almanac here, um, I I love it as just a big old nerd who loves to read academic things. Yeah, and it's very academically dry in the beginning, and and then he goes on to you know mention more and more stuff about it, and I, I really want to talk to him because I think I found a mistake. Because uh-huh. <laughs> he 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 though I mean this guy's amazing. He's nearly 80 or is 80. I can't remember um, years old. And he is a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Okay. And, and, and they, he has said that there are more, it has the most internet traffic and most things written about it than any TV show ever. Really? So Buffy the Vampire Slayer beats Star Trek, Buffy the Vampire Slayer beats the X-Files. You know, those are close seconds and thirds next to that but he said that that show prior to that all these guys who are these vampire academics and kind of all just all on the sideline they're like it's dead there's really nothing else out there you know it's it's played out you know what's going to come along and then boom all of a sudden the series hits and vampires have this resurgence and of course then we've got You know, Anne Rice finally has the production of Interview with a Vampire. And then you've got Twilight that finally comes out and on and on and on and on. You know, you mentioned that a Kolshak story, for the most part, is kind of predictable and therefore sort of easy to write because you know where to structure you know, your scenes. And even as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, he's going to find out his information when he travels, like, wait a minute. No, that's not the way to do it. He tends to always find out and gets help and a little bit of comedy when he goes back to the newsroom. And so he has his sparring with Ron and then miss Emily finds some information and tells him something that he doesn't know. And, you know, Tony kind of, he sometimes will just trick him into taking the story that He doesn't really want to take so you know, he, yeah, you almost have to include that to a certain extent to make people feel like it's still a Cole Shack story. So, anyway, um, Bradley, get dig me out of this hole. Well, you know, Robert, rambling so much, you
1: talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer being the number one internet traffic related to
0: vampires, according to not, not, not the vampires, just to anything, or oh, to anything, a- a- according to Jay Gordon Melton. To anything Not to vampires So any any TV show ever wow. That's been out there It has the most And I said internet But it may be more than internet It could be scholarly papers All that kind of stuff Go ahead
1: Well Buffy the Vampire Slayer May be number one in that But Col Shack is definitely Number one in our hearts <laughs> oh, And <good> God. God. <laughs> And hey James uh, King it, of the
0: cheesy segue Well th- I'm wrapping us up here Did we need Are we wrapping up right or- I don't know Does James want to wrap up that's the thing. Have, have, have you checked in with your guest to see how he feels? If he feels like he's yeah. said everything he wants to say,
1: we can go two more. We can, go two more, we can go two more hours if we want. No, we could probably go out here yeah,
0: for like four or five hours. We
1: just, yeah. yeah, we can have a mark. We could top Mark the Woods yet.
0: Not going to happen.
2: Not going to happen because
0: I've got I've got pediatric kids. I've got to put into harnesses on treadmills tomorrow at my work. So I got to get all that right. <laughs> Can't well, stay up past my, my bedtime. Go ahead,
1: James. Is there anything else you could think? Well, you know, because this is sort of our and this also we sort of playing this out where this is a buffer. This is going to come out and it's going to sort of uh, put it out to the. You know, we've only got like a few thousand downloads, but it's going to come out to the to the Shack Sloop, you know, podcast listeners. And it's going to get them ready for the Kickstarter, which uh, we'll go ahead and, and say that again. You know, we've got a lot of good names. We've already talked about people who's been on the show. Mark DeWidziak, Rodney Barnes, uh, of course, Joe Gentile. Is that how you say his last name? Is that you...
0: Gentile. Okay. So it's
1: so it's not like Frigile. Not, it's not like that.
0: No. OK, OK. But good
1: try. <laughs> Um, who else do we have involved? I mean, so many names that we've mentioned here. Uh, gosh, I don't know how this, how everybody's, I mean, that's just a whole lot of coal shack and a whole lot of people involved. I mean, it sounds like a, a good time to me. Uh, how many pages do you think the graphic is set to be?
2: Oh boy. Uh, well, the stories are going to be 12 to 16 pages long. And wow. we have At least 10 stories. That's amazing. At first I thought like 120 pages. It'll probably be more, than 120 yeah. pages because we also got like the three three four essays. <laughs> it's gonna be a big book. It's gonna and 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 if we hit the stretch goal and I think we will, we're gonna add the other story. And who knows? I mean if we we make a lot of money, maybe we'll add another story. Because there's so many people are trying to get in. And I'd love to include more people. So I don't know. Who knows? It's be 12 so It might be like 150 pages. <laughs> when we're done
0: man i'll just well, just just always remember there's always uh, like a second edition you know that that, I mean, that I, comes around
2: that's up to joe i mean I, i'll do another one i have a good idea for a second book uh that's a, <laughs> i'll just keep doing culture books i mean I, this is this is awesome and and i wrote one of the stories and that was a lot of fun yeah <laughs> to do that hey so you know that really-
1: that was one of the things and i, I am be giving away our little secret here but one of the th- one of the things to do in this podcast was wasn't even necessarily hey we're going to do a cool podcast like hey I'm going to get to talk to some cool people who have the same interests you know that we can talk about and sort of rub shoulders rub elbows with the uh, people but then ultimately you know it's like what Colshack does to you he'll he'll set the trap and he'll catch you just like he catches all his <laughs> monsters, even if he stumbles into the monsters catching the monsters you know uh but but yeah you know. Uh, Cause it, it can really snowball. Cause I, you know me and Robert, when we first talked about this, like we'll cover the episodes, maybe the movies, and that that'll be it. And then eventually, it's like we'll cover the books too. It's like, well, you know, we may cover the the you know, well, let's cover the books with James Ross. We'll go chapter by chapter. I, I think actually, I think I've committed Robert to all that. I don't know if I'm I
0: probably. was going to say these are all ideas that Bradley has. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> these, these are not necessarily things that i'll I, I i want to do i want to do them but can i do them probably not so james
1: maybe so you're we'll my see. yeah you're my kindred spirit there is uh overselling your your boundaries uh and then from this podcast also somebody else has reached out and like hey let's do a dark shadows podcast and i've i think yeah, i've committed yeah. to that so that's i don't know how i'm gonna do 1200 <laughs> episodes but
2: that's a lot of episodes too yeah, to get through I, I agreed to call probably, i really got into it because like this is over a thousand episodes, yeah. Of tw- Dog 1200
1: and something, yeah. Why? I
2: just can't... W- Go ahead, Jim. I've to the one in the 90s, um, that's when I first heard of it, and I, I watched that, but that didn't, I don't even think that lasted a season. And then I think they started rerunning the um, the original series, but it was like so many episodes, and and then it feels like such a commitment. A thousand episodes, I mean, I don't know how long it would take you.
0: We'll see that that just makes Bradley happy, because now he's got a thousand nights where he knows what he's going to be doing.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't really see that yet. How he long will. Long he he will eventually say to hi to both his children. Yeah, at eventually. Some point.
1: Yeah, my kids. They're they're low on the list of priorities. Yeah. Shack kids, yeah. wife's probably somewhere
2: in there too. Below yeah, I don't have the Attention spans even watch a movie nowadays. So it's like a struggle just to get through like an hour show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh man, even even my wrap ups go off the rails. Do we just go on tangents on everything, Robert? Is that just are we destined to that's, do that?
0: That's okay. Well, remember at one point I wanted to call the name of this quote unquote company we've never formed yet, something like Tangent Media. I mean, yeah. that's just I, I love I love tangents and physics and geometry, and I love them when I talk. So that, that's all that's all perfectly fine. But I think still going with the dark shadows tangent, I think what blew me away is when I finally start watching it again and start quizzing Bradley on, I realize he really hasn't even seen the first season. I, like, I've, what? I started when Barnabas came in. That was like my, that's not good enough, bro. Well,
1: I know. Hey, that's why oh, the dark shadows podcast, whenever the heck it, it is,
0: it God is God. so, yeah, it is so good in I'm the beginning die. and it sets it all up. And here I am like, there's people from lethal weapon, who are in dark shadows, um, who are in the first lethal weapon. And, and then you've also got, um, uh, Mr. Drummond from, uh, whatchamacallit, different strokes is in there. in a couple scenes in the beginning, I'm like, gotta be kidding me, man. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
1: so this is the, the pre-launch of the Kickstarter. So everybody just keep an eye out, uh, tons of goodies, tons of stretch goals, t-shirts, uh, I don't. I'm not gonna just start making up stuff because I don't know what I was gonna do. A special. <laughs> we'll sk- have it. Yeah. So what? Are, what are Stickers the dates
2: the of publisher. this, James?
0: What are the dates of the Kickstarter?
2: Well, my publicist doesn't want to say.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> uh, okay. That's fine. Yeah, you, you um, gave it kind of like within a month or two, right? You don't yeah, want to like January, ruin your LLS momentum.
2: so it would be around the anniversary, the actual anniversary. Okay. Of Nightstalker, Nightstalker of originally at January 11th. Like a seventy-two, right? I'd like to launch on the anniversary, so yeah. that you know, I, I, we probably will be around around there. I mean, we want to probably, you know, it, it's not the greatest time because it's like right after the holidays. You know, normally I would probably launch it in like in like March or something, but I think it's a good opportunity to launch it like on the anniversary or like right before.
1: Yeah, and Kickstarter's right. usually run a month or so too. So I mean, people, yeah, that's
2: you do like thirty days, yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of well, time. And- and I tell you what, I haven't told Bradley this, but we we flirted around with the idea of a couple of different ways to do our shack site. And we have one that's the site that we have. And then we have another, I, I could have sworn I actually made it, but maybe I didn't, where it's going to be, well, it was supposed to be like these other sites that are out there that have got the 15,000 members or whatever else it is. But Bradley, I was going to tell you. We'll want to go ahead and do a site like that where we get to be the administrators of the site. And we're going to let James come on there and promote this Kickstarter every freaking minute if he wants to. (laughs) (laughs) You you will not get blocked. Yeah, no, we will do that because that's kind of thing. We have something we want to promote, too. We want to promote this idea about the scholarship and eventually convention and all this other kind of stuff and when we go on to other people's sites no, nothing against anybody if they're listening to us and they're the administrators of those sites but you know sometimes we get we'll get a little flack for uh, trying to even even correct people who are selling things like one of my most famous interactions with Bradley was <laughs> <laughs> is the fact that one of the guys said hey no one else say anything about selling t-shirts if you do I'm going to block you I and I mean. so I immediately answer with, if you <laughs> want to get your t-shirts, <laughs> so go to the official licensor. And that's Joe Gentile. And, you know, go to him. And then the guy's like, you know, answering back to me, like, what are you doing? I just said, don't do this.
1: <laughs> that's Yeah. You got one more strike
0: and you're gone. And then you're like, hey, hey. even Joe has kind of been blocked. And, and that's the way that I told people that Mark Dwysiak yeah. and I kind of became friends. Is, is me telling people how lucky we are to have Mark on one of these sites and him on another site getting all kinds of flack from somebody just because Mark saying, hey, I wrote this book about it. And, you know, he's just being just general. Right. And they like almost shut him down. So yeah, I I mean, it's a, ridiculous. The Check group.
2: And we have this Check graphic novel. Why wouldn't they want me to post about it? But it doesn't make sense. I mean, the show has been off the air for like 48 years, and this yeah. is probably the biggest thing in the check world. So, so far, I haven't gotten any flack in the check groups. Like, I got kicked out of the MeTV group. Did
0: you really? <laughs> you did?
2: Yeah. Oh, my I, gosh. I, I, I joined, they posted one thing, and they were like, you're suspended. Oh, I was like, oh. That's a bummer.
0: <laughs> well, we, we, we have kind of participated in that, but then when I told Brad, like, I can't keep up this pace. Of putting these these shows out you know every week and they're they're always talking about but then it's already come back around again yeah <laughs> so i'm the, i've been reposting our old episodes up. so
2: <laughs> that's a tough so, thing. i mean just posting and posting posting and it gets really intense and like overwhelming because when when it's promotion you can just keep doing it all day long yeah. and then you're just like well, oh, i need one more backer i need one more follower I've been trying, you know, we started the, um, the cold check Twitter, uh, account, mm-hmm. but then when I'm trying to build that thing up and that's, you know, every day, just trying, we got 200 followers and try to get 300 and then you try all the little tricks to do that. <laughs> and it, it's really well, any anytime you,
0: know, you want to yeah. attach us to any of that stuff, <laughs> what, what little bit we can do, do it. Because I think Rodney's going to see ours and Rich Adams is going to see ours mm-hmm. and usually Mark's going to see it. So at the very least, if you ever want to throw Kolshak's loop in there too, we'll, okay. you know, I, I don't know what we'll do for you, but we'll, we'll do whatever we can. Cause I mean, I think this is an outstanding idea. Um, you know, I, I just, I love the fact you're doing it. I love the fact that for me as an inspiring writer, who's never been able to do anything. Cause I'm just so paralyzed by the thought of doing it. It's just like, yeah, man. I'm gonna finally do this. I can't believe it. People at work actually believe I might do it now. You know, the <laughs> ones I bore, the ones I bore to tears. You know, talking about everything. One and one person, uh, Bradley Kim, who has made comments on here on our uh, show before. It's like, Robert, I know you. You better start now.
2: <laughs> and awesome. you have to do it. And I think I think check story is very doable.
0: Yeah yeah for sure yeah for sure. so I'm thrilled and, and he
2: almost always defeats the monster in a very simple way it was always like "Oh, all he needs to do is this one thing and then he does it's like flip the switch and then the monster is defeated and usually he goes to somebody and they say they tell him how to I was just watching um, right. what was the zombie one it was just like he just has to put salt in the guy's mouth and light some right. candles and that was it
0: right right you yeah. know okay this, this is a DeWitziak interview now because I'm going to say one more thing. Um like 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 a uh, Colombo. Just one more thing. Um what you you had mentioned on your webpage that people can ask you or they can kind of pitch story ideas to you for the the prose stories. Um mm-hmm. what's going on there? So you're you you are thinking already about how to kind of curate what you're doing and, and will answers for that be related to you already know you've got a couple that you want to keep in there and, and so redirect yourself for something else. Is that kind of where you're going with that?
2: Yeah. Cause I'd rather someone send me a pitch before they write the story. Mm-hmm. See the problem here is that, you know, Coltrac's a licensed character. So if you write a culture story, you're not going to be able to sell it anywhere else. Yeah. Normally if you, you're going to submit to like an anthology if it gets rejected you can always send it somewhere else and uh get it uh accepted here you're gonna kind of be stuck with the story i mean unless you just take you know Check's name out and you kind of rearrange it some other way
0: right. so i'd
2: rather someone say you know here's my idea for the story and if i say oh no we're not really interested in that like you said if it's like we have a bunch of similar stories you know maybe steer them in a different way
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, stuff
2: like that. Especially since we're dealing with, if we're dealing with his whole like lifespan, there can be conflict. Someone's going to be like, well, what if Kolchak has like, you know, a long lost, you know, cousin and, 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 you know, and then, you know, it conflict with the continuity.
0: Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. There's those, those def. I appreciate you having that on there and I can see how active you are as the, you know, I'm just going to say the curator of it, the editor of, of this this work that people are going to do. I, I, I love that. I mean, I think that's a, a very collaborative process that you're allowing people to to be part of. Um, I'll be sending you my ideas soon. but <laughs> uh, This know, is so much yeah. fun. And
1: I think a good place to wrap up is this is, yeah. this, I don't know, this is not like, and I'm sure there's, there's money involved and everything, but I would say that this is not like a money-making thing. This is, we want Shack out there and, and I'm speaking for James here, like I'm Tim, but, but this is the way I see it, I guess, is how do we carry on the legacy of Shack And what is the best way to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Shack And what better way than to have an anthology of people who adore the character, people who love the character, putting in their time and their effort that they go out of their way. I know, I know Rodney Barnes has so much on his plate already. Just the only person I know he's written 11 different comics and stuff. And he already does so much. And him saying, hey, I want to be involved with this. And Mark DeWoodziak, you know, he's always been so good about volunteering time, you know, for uh, for all. Like, he he's still, the funny thing about him, like, there's books that he sells. Like, when he had the Night Stalker Companion that was selling for, you know, $200, $300 back in, a few years ago. He's like, I got a couple of copies. I'll sell it at you at cost if you just pay a little bit for shipping. Like, he he's not in it for, of course, he wants to, you right. know, he needs to make a living. But... He's not going to upcharge you on this. People love the character. People want the character to be out there. And James, I'm sure you're the same way. All we want is this character that we, that I that didn't grow up with, but you both grew up with, and that I've discovered, and that we want more people to discover it that way. And what better way to do it than Kickstarter and getting it out there? And when, once people see these names tied to it, maybe we could have a Kolchak resurgence. Maybe there's a new generation of Kolchak fans who come back and say, Heath was real cool in this graphic novel, you know. Let me go back and let me watch that first, you know, movie. Let me watch the, the the few episodes, you know. Let me see what Kolchak's about. Let me read that Jeff Rice novel. And I think this is sort of the moss rolling downhill, gathering moss. You know, uh, that this could be something new. Did I did I say moss gathering moss? Stone, the, yeah, <laughs> the
0: stone rolling yeah, downhill. Yeah, it's moss. It's moss on moss, baby. Yeah, I that's mean, what we're doing. It's, it's the best moss on moss.
1: Yeah. But, but I don't know. I just spoke a lot for James and uh,
2: yeah. you said it all. That's yeah. That's exactly uh, what I'm thinking too, is that I would love to see. I think there is already somehow or some, for some reason, like a resurgence in, in Kolchak lately, there's been uh well, we have the Blu-ray series just came out and I've been seeing a lot of people, you, you know, your podcast has, has come out. I think what you just started like this year.
0: We, yeah, we started, was it? Started be- releasing this year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we start we started like three years ago, almost. Yes, well, just take, it's just taking a while.
2: Propping up. And, you know, I had first said, oh, let me, I want to do um, a cold check thing. And then I said, well, I just kind of felt a sense that maybe there was like a big anniversary coming up. And so I checked in I went, holy cow. Uh, the 50th anniversary is January. This is perfect. Uh and then when I pitched the idea to Joe, he was like, yeah, let's do it. I don't, I don't know if they had anything um, planned for the 50th anniversary. So that was just like perfect timing. I mean, I just you know came up with the idea of for check in like maybe June. And then when I, I I do the research and they're like, this is the 50th anniversary in a couple of months? This is like perfect timing. So that was just great. And then I see all this Kolchak stuff all over the place. And I'm like, this is crazy. So this is like the perfect time to do it. We got the fiftieth anniversary. We got all these people. I think are waiting for something like this. So hopefully, it does spur some kind of Kolcheck uh, uh, Renaissance. I think a check uh, convention would be awesome.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah, trust me. We'll we'll definitely be talking to you about that. So before, yeah, let me know where we think things will go with that. I have one last question, Brad. Go, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, is so are you, is Joe going to help read any of these hymns? Health too. I, I can't talk. Is Joe going to read any of the submissions or it's just going to be you and you and some other people, or how are you handling this potentially uh, when it comes to your readers? And I, I'm not volunteering. That
2: we haven't figured out yet. I don't know if okay. Joe wants to, certainly. Uh, so far we've okay, been, then I am volunteering. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can always choose flush readers because uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how many submissions. Right. I was always like, oh like you have all these great ideas and then you don't realize all the work that it's going to involve because Kickstarters alone are a lot of work and I I'm still I have to ship out all of the the rewards and stuff for the last Kickstarter so <laughs> I'll be shipping them out just about when this Kickstarter is yeah starting so that I don't know how I'm going to do this
1: you know we uh. <laughs> yeah we've we've mentioned the Kickstarter a lot today and uh I guess we it, we would be you know it' be remiss to not say the, give some information Where can they follow you on Twitter, on Facebook, yeah. uh, is there a website, any of that?
2: Um, well, one that we have the cold check, uh, Twitter account, which is just cold check 50. And we're, we're, posting all, all the information there. And you can get the link to the, to the Kickstarter through that. Uh, yeah. And you can go ahead and our, follow it,
1: right. You can go ahead and go click follow. I think you already have 500 think, plus followers, right. On the Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, so if you there's a preview page, uh, Kickstarter preview page, and if you uh, you can sign up, give your email, and then you will be get you'll get an email when the the, um, the campaign launches.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a
2: great thing because you really need like a really big first day for the Kickstarter. So you try to gather up as many followers as you can to that preview page, and then they release that email, and you hope that you know everyone backs like like the first day or two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, that's at Colshack 50 on Twitter. You can find all the information there, find the Kickstarter information. Be sure to follow it because as soon as you follow it, as soon as it goes up, you will get a notification. You may Mm -hmm. be one of the first people to see the stretch goals, to go ahead and back it, to go ahead and.
2: We'll have like early bird specials. Mm So you'll want to back the first day because the first day you'll be able to get most of the stuff uh, for a little cheaper.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. The first day, maybe the first day or two. So if you miss that, then uh, you'll you'll have to pay a little bit extra.
1: Yeah. Hey, James, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you can find our podcast at Colshack's Loop, uh, pretty much anywhere—Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook—and uh, you can email us uh, colshacksloop at gmail dot com. Uh, do you have the number right offhand to call, Robert? Seven seven eight
0: six six five four three two one. Is that really? I got it. it. Jenny's got my number. No, I don't remember. i thought you were being serious <laughs> no, i'm just completely messing with you i know it was it's like 774 or something i, I don't oh, remember oh it's we'll, p- we'll we'll put it in a post well i can i can we'll it let's, it let's don't make it. james have to sit around and listen yeah this we won't
1: <laughs> well james again I've, i'm probably going to say this 50 times thanks for
0: joining us we look forward we're going to talk to you again thank you for being part of all this yeah and uh yeah i i think um if you ever want to come back and even just talk through an episode, oh, anybody good. that's a writer who has some perspective on this stuff, we love doing that. Um, if there's one that you see you like, and you want to come on, we will we'll go back and do it again. You know, whatever you'd like to do, we, we'd be happy to do that. What did we ask? And maybe you did this, when I was gone, Bradley last thing, don't have to go into tons of discussion. <laughs> Only would take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes. Anyway, <laughs> now what, what is your favorite call episode, James?
2: Hmm. You know, I'm rewatching them, and they're all pretty good because uh, I keep watching one and go, oh, "This is my favorite. I like this." Uh, I just watched the um, the Devils. What is it, the Devils platform?
0: Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly good
2: with Tom Skerritt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and super crazy. <laughs> turning into the dog. <laughs> yes, that's pretty awesome. Yes. So it had I mean and, th- and that's before that's before the omen, right?
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was thinking was like but then again it, when was the omen written originally? And then you got to think about that and I think it still predates it. I, I think, think it, it does. does.
2: A lot of stuff, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's in Colchak and it seems like you know people stole it from from Colchak like the Tyrell Corporation <laughs> and stuff like that.
0: Well, I think that's just a direct homage. Honestly, yeah. um, more than anything else, because you know, Blade Runner was written first, or whatever you want to call it. Um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Yeah, I don't know if that else
2: is in the book. I think it is. I,
0: I think I'm also I don't have no is? clue. I don't
2: know. <laughs> no, I have no clue. I'll still give the credit to. Uh, the <laughs> yeah, we'll
1: get we'll we'll default to Colcheck anytime <laughs> we can. Yeah, uh, man. It, we, we, the one we, we, thing we'll I did quiet.
2: find weird about that episode is that Colcheck doesn't know what kind of dog it is he doesn't know it's a rottweiler and he's, he's looking it up he's going yeah. yeah so sometimes that like that annoys me so yeah. that, 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 that that was, was one of the like comp- he has to research everything like like yeah Project's a pretty small guy but he doesn't usually know a lot of stuff and so he has to like research we have to see him figure it out and and i think the guy um updike is saying uh it's a mutt it's like it's obviously a rottweiler but
0: now, I did see that comment on the MeTV stream when people were watching it. Is that what got you kicked off of MeTV? You're like, come on, man. It's a Rottweiler. Someone wow. did say that. You know, they I've said that exact it, I, thing. You
2: know, stupidly, I bought the uh, the Blu-ray for like 60 bucks, but now I'm watching the episodes on the, the free NBC app. You know, so. the
1: NBC app cuts stuff out, too. Have, have you experienced that? Yeah. yeah. I, so I've had The record
2: to, breaks are ridiculous. It's
1: oh, yeah, rare. yeah. And another thing is, sometimes it'll just cut, like it'll just lose like three or four seconds here and there. I'm like, what the? Like you can tell too, so I have to rewind and, yeah, and yeah. But,
2: but I'm so lazy just to you know play a DVD. Oh yeah, I, I stream everything, so I don't know why I spent all that money. And well, I have seen to. a couple episodes from the Blu-ray, but it's just so much easier just to stream it.
0: What's well, got the the Blu-ray's got all the commentary though, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's what I, I need to get that. I need to add that to my Christmas list. That's what I need to do. Oh, we, so, yeah. So thank you. Thank, maybe maybe now we'll actually stop. Yeah. The th- <laughs> maybe. Maybe yeah. anyone.
1: Yeah. Anyone? Th- hey, thank you, James, coming on. How many times have I said that? I don't know. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <for this. laughs> I'd love to have you. I don't know. This is going to be down the road, of course. When it comes out, I'd love to have you on, too, and we can go. I'd love to go, go through it a little bit, look through it. And just talk about it. And so anytime open invitation, uh, as we do with every guest, uh, anytime you want, you want to come on, man, we, we, we have you on.
2: That sounds great. This has been a lot of fun.
1: All right. Thanks James. And for uh, all things, cold shake, you can find us right here inside the loop.
0: baby <laughs> watch you- <laughs> <laughs>